You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good afternoon, everybody. Locked On Browns, as the good lady says, your team every day. Daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, whether it's Surrey, whether it's Alexa, just fi- ask the fine ladies. Play podcast Locked On Browns. They'll be sure to take care of that for you. Um, we're going to recap here the uh, final day in Mobile. Obviously, the game itself. Uh, for me personally, I actually I-, I thought the game itself actually was you know one of the better ones you see. Um, you know, a lot of action late. Um, I-, I still think it's a very difficult when you're evaluating the game itself when you have eight different quarterbacks playing. That does make you know. I mean, because it's it's tough whether or not a guy gets enough reps and things of that nature. Uh, we're gonna get to the quarterbacks here, guys, and you know, we'll we'll, we'll dig into that. Um, but Pete here, um, look, you know, some of these guys, if you don't have the greatest of weeks, you can kind of save yourself. And look, some guys, you can be a good practice player, and it's something you are. But some guys, when it just comes down to it, and it's a legit football game, you, you truly can kind of get a better feel. And, and it's it, this has gone on in Mobile for years. Some guys don't have the greatest of practice weeks, but when you actually get them in the game circumstance, you can see the type of impact they're going to be able to have. Well, I mean, uh, look no further than Charlie Fry, who won the MVP, uh, the Senior Bowl, and uh, was pretty was was had a pretty rough week. EJ Manuel. Uh, E.J. Manuel, obviously, famously got himself into the first round. Um, you know that could be that could be a little bit of a a, a bad read um, in in terms of how that works. Uh, but certainly, I, I think you know there there are enough people who are who are, I don't think they're I think some people are are blowing it out of proportion in regards to a guy like Andy Isabella. I don't think people think he had a bad week. I think maybe they thought he um, could have – maybe they expected him to be better, thought he could have been better, whatever. But then he goes out and and, and has a nice game uh, and and sort of shows you all the things that he can sort of offer a team. Uh, that that He was the big notable uh, guy who sort of really stood out from that standpoint. If you're talking about a guy who – who people were sort of iffy on for the week, but uh, had a, had a, a a nice game. Yeah, no, and look, Isabella, obviously, guys, is uh, you know the Ohio native is a guy we spent a lot of time here on. Um, you saw he could have his impact. Um, look, you know, yak and or rack, whichever one you want to put on it. You know, yards after the catch, run after the catch. You see the effectiveness there. Um, you, it's hard to see what he's going to maybe be able to do vertically. Look, there were some vertical throws yesterday that were completed, but that's the most difficult thing, and that's what takes the longest rapport to develop between player and quarterback. But what you saw, and look, Andy Isabel is probably never going to be a number one or a number two wide receiver. He's going to be a nice package player, and because of his speed and his elusiveness, it just becomes another headache or a nuance for a defense to have to deal with. And that was the role he you know, shined in yesterday. Um, we've talked a lot about Antonio Callaway and the fact that he was a former running back. Isabella, kind of the same thing. And you were able to see that, obviously, you know, on the smoke route, caught it, was able to you know, get him, get his way, manipulate three, four defenders, find himself into the end zone. So for him, you know, it, it was a good way to cap off where people had had some question marks. You know, sometimes in the one-on-ones, like we talked about this, guys, people are going for the kill shot. You're looking to be the headline with a move and break somebody's ankles or dust somebody on their ass. That happens. But within the game, you can see where he has. And look, are his arms a little short? Sure. Are his hands a little small? Sure. Those are issues. But, you know, if you 
still liked him for the Browns. There's no reason to change now. Um, you're not going to go high and outside and expect Andy Isabella to come with it. And you have a quarterback in Baker Mayfield who understands how to be accurate with several different types of bodies, whether it's a smaller guy like Jarvis Landry, whether it's a big, tall guy like Darren Fells. Kudos for me for actually getting that first name right this time. It's in knowing what guys want. You know, don't throw under the belt for David Ajoku. Hit him on the numbers. Hit him in the face. That type of thing. Those are things Baker Mayfield has. And once he develops enough rapport with a player, he he, he can put the ball in the position where he knows he got his guy wants it. So Andy Isabella is still a guy you're looking at here. And here's the thing, guys. Maybe 49. Maybe it's out of play. And maybe now he is a third round guy. And then that's okay too. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes when he, you know, runs a blazing 40 in Indy and see how it plays out there. But it was a, a, a nice rebound for some people who had some questions about Indy, Andy Isabella. Pete, a uh, couple more ga- guys from the game that maybe have, you know, caught your guy, caught your eye, sorry. Uh, I think, I think Kalen Saunders, uh, finished. What a great what was, story. What yeah, a great story. He's, he, well, first and foremost, he's a producer's dream. Uh, he arrives in Mobile. He's, you know, most people know him. The days prior, there was the back handspring backflip video, and he did it in practice. Uh, but then you, they found out, you know, the, the story came out that his wife was about to give birth, um, and and the story, you know, was the decision to stay and play and everything that went with that, and then and ultimately she had had the child while he was there. Um, he flew back. Uh, I think Friday, and then there was a question if he was going to make it back for the game. But on top of everything else, uh, he had uh, the personality to go with the story. So you know that, that, that he, in a lot of ways, he became the story of the Senior Bowl. And you know, it's 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 you know, Baker Mayfield was the story last year, but he would have been anyway. Where, where a guy like Kalen Saunders. Um, certainly his play this week was impressive. There's a, there's a few guys I know are really high on, on, uh, Kalen Saunders. Uh, but, uh, he, he also played well in the game. He had a sack and, and he sort of allowed them to, to continue to talk about him. Uh, he, he obviously had a, it's just the week went just, you know, storybook type thing for him. So that was, that was a guy that was, that was great. Um, Nasir Adderley, I think, is another guy that some people were iffy about during the week. I actually thought he was very good, but then he comes out and and has a, a great game. Uh, you know, he got three Raiders stickers throughout the game slapped on his helmet, which well, you know, first was, things first. Why was every? I mean, I mean, it, it was cool and all, but the funniest thing was is you know for other thirty one teams, it's like, well, thanks for the Raiders sticker. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It it was it like it went from being kind of cool to uh, you, you know, get a they, sticker you get a sticker you get a sticker. Well, that and 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 you know I, I get it. The announcers are trying to have fun with it, but they just you know belabored it to a point where it it got weird. On, on the one hand, it was like really cool seeing the Raiders logo like correctly put on the red somebody's red helmet. I'm going uh, uh, the center, North Carolina State. Like it looked, it it looked good there. Like and you know, and I guess I think he did it. At, like the captains, I believe, started with it. But yeah, so maybe that's why they look. You know, that's why it looked better on some guys. <laughs> some of these were eventually got slapped on like the askew to the top of the helmet. It just looked bizarre, uh, and you know, it's whatever. But like, it was kind of cool. Got a little overdone. 
But yeah, Nasir Adderley ended up with three of them, and I saw a reporter uh, who covers the Oakland Raiders who's like Nasir Adderley to the Raiders at twenty four. Book it, and I do think whether it's Nasir Adderley, I I do think that by virtue of the fact that Gruden is Gruden, I do think that you're going to see an inordinate amount of guys uh, taken by the Raiders that he coached in this game uh, because he is ultimately the final say and. You know, he's a guy I, I think that will get attached and, 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 and love some of these guys. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me the least if, you know, they ad- ended up with Adderley from this game. Well, I mean, and this is going to be interesting just Oakland Raider-wise. Uh, you know, look, Mike Mayock, this is his thing. This is what he does. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to it's going to be interesting how the two of them work in this respect, you know, because, you know, John's going to be in there with the, well, he had a hell of a Tuesday, and did you see his rep there? And and and, and you're going to, and Mike Mayock with the, well, I've got, you know, 17 charts here, and we put them through every set. No, no, no. Do you remember that cover two play he made? And, you know, and look, you know, and, you know, for John, it was the ultimate, you know, Gruden's grinders. He had a ro- roster full of them. So it's going to be funny how that turns out. Uh, so, uh, uh, Sanders, obviously, um, you know, I, I know there were some that said, oh, go home, be there for it. You know, that's great if you're a first-team All-American and you went to a Power 5 school. Um, for this young man out of Western Illinois, um, and, I'm, and I talked about this the other day, um, look, I mean, he's got to take care of that daughter for the rest of her life. This is the way it goes. So if a guy like him stayed... Busted his hump through the week, you know, went home, met his daughter, made sure everything was cool, came back, played in the game, and look, you know, the big man's got a little wiggle, he's got a little move to him, he really does, and you know, obviously looked impressive within the game itself, but you know, he's trying to provide provide the best life possible for, yeah, obviously, you know, you know, for for his wife, for his do- daughter. So there's nothing wrong with what he did, and look, I mean, he he probably helped himself jump one round in this draft, if not two rounds, which now you're talking financial implications of, you know, a couple of million dollars for his wife and his daughter. And, you know, kudos to him and God bless him. Um, you know, uh, obviously with Adderley, um, Delaware School, very, you know, Delaware School I almost uh, attended to play ball at. It still freaks me out when I see the helmet. It still makes me shake my head. and Wait, wait a minute, who the hell is that kid from Michigan? Wait a minute, I forget about this. But, you know, Adderley, you know, definitely had a nice day. Definitely productive. Um, of course, you know, I mean, if, you know, I think John was, you know, maybe planting his flag with each sticker. He, okay, I'll take this guy. I'll take this guy. And, you know, John, it's great he's got a couple extra picks because, you know, he, he probably wants to take 30 guys in this draft. It's not going to work out that way for him. But uh, definitely, you know, John Gruden, the excitement there. But uh, obviously with Adderley, definitely a name to watch somewhere Oakland Raiders affiliated, you know, obviously official times and stuff like that is still to come, obviously, through the Combine, but that was fun here. Uh, guys, the Locked On Patriots podcast, the Locked On Rams podcast, uh, look, next Sunday, right about this time, the hors d'oeuvres are going to start breaking out. Uh, you know, most people, like, if it's a six eighteen start, I hope maybe you have your first beverage around this time. Uh, you know, don't start at noon on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, you might miss something, and, you know, uh, for me, it's maybe, you know, Maroon, fan, Maroon 5 fan or not, you know, who knows? Maybe you want to pass out by halftime. Who knows in that respect? But the Locked On Patriots, Locked On Rams podcast, both guys working their butts off. Obviously, for guys who cover team-specific shows, this is the dream. That's where you want to be. And both these guys are going to continue to punch out great content as we head up there. So Locked On Rams, Locked On Patriots, guys. Get into the rotation this week if you know, you're looking for true, great Super Bowl coverage. Now, Pete, uh, the quarterback play, the quarterback play was what it was. And I put out the tweet at, at halftime, and for me, it's thank God 
We're not looking at a quarterback for a long, long time. It was it was up and down, and I mean, in this, it was the same thing through most of the week. Uh, you know, I think you know, it drew. I, I think one of the fun, most fun plays was Drew Luck and his little underhand, whatever. You know, reminiscent. I remember there's been guys who've done it in the past, but the quarterback play it just remained a up and down facet. You know, throughout the entire week, and it kind of showed up in the game. Yeah, and and I have seen, and if you look, you can find a respected analyst, whether it's Dane Brugler or Emery Hunt or whoever you want, and you will have eight different quarterbacks who had the best week. And if if the game is if the game is pretty much what you saw a week, that's not good for any of them. Uh, I don't think any of them really stood out, and obviously, I think Drew Locke. Um, is the guy who's going to go the highest of them. And a lot of people already think he's basically just waiting to be a Bronco. Um, but none of them were very good. And, you know, and, and I should note that, you know, the game in that respect is a terrible indication. Obviously, we mentioned Charlie Fry and E.J. Manuel. That's one side of it. The other side of it is, and obviously there were mitigating circumstances, Baker Mayfield wasn't that good in it last year. Um, so, you know, it's one of those where you don't want to get too caught up in it. Uh, I do think there's too many quarterbacks in it. Uh, on the one hand, eight quarterbacks is great for the practices. It's a lot of fun in the game. It's a little awkward. And and I could be wrong, but I thought I heard during the game that the rules changed from the first half to the second half in terms of you had to have three linebackers in the first half, and then you could go more nickel and dime personnel in the second half, which would – seemingly give an inherent advantage to the two guys playing in the first half, mm-hmm. which I found odd. But, you know, it used to be they had three quarterbacks and, you know, the guy with a hot hand would would ultimately get the fourth quarter. Um, instead, you got one qu- quarter each. It's fine, I, I, it, but there's no rhythm and whatever. And, and, and in, in some respects, there's just not going to be – so it's not a big deal. But, yeah, I mean, you come away going, wow, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, love him. And, and I think in addition to Baker Mayfield, I would say the same thing for Nick Chubb uh, because, you know, I thought the kid from Stony Brook was the best back all week. Uh, and that's another situation where you're not sitting there getting excited. And obviously it's, you know, running back tends to be a very underclassman-dominated position. Mm-hmm. But – you know, I, I think as we get through this process, and, and obviously, you know, I listened to the podcast with you and Jim talking about Josh Jacobs, and we've talked about Josh Jacobs. If you're trying to sell that as your top back in the class, and not everybody is, obviously, but you get the idea, that just makes you want to give Nick Chubb a big hug that, you know, thank God we already have this. And, and there will be running backs that can play. Uh, and and I, I agree with you. I like Benny Snell, too. But it's the same thing where you're sitting there going, wow. You know, thank God we've already got these two guys, and we don't have to sit there and mess around with it. Um, so yeah, and you know, and not only that, you're obviously sitting there going, you know, man, I can't wait for year two of Baker as opposed to basically sitting there with fingers crossed. I mean, if we're honest, you know, and God knows I, I was not a Josh Allen guy last year, but I think Josh Allen would have helped this this game, this class in terms of the the, the product on the field, which may say more about these quarterbacks than anything else. I think Drew Locke has a lot of the same question marks that that, uh, that Allen did. And, and Tyree Jackson, I thought, played probably played the best of the, the guys in the game. But 
there's still a ton of question marks there with him too. So, yeah, be excited. Not that anybody needs any more reason to be excited about Baker Mayfield, but it's one more reason to be like, wow, thank you know, so so glad we have him in in, in the fold already. Um, yeah, and it's actually funny because you know Tyree Jackson definitely was the one that kind of impressed me. First things first, um, if you're looking for the who's going to throw the hardest pass at the combine. Tyree Jackson's going to win that. I mean, the dude's just got an absolute stinking gun. Um, there were some good commentary during the game that, um, and this is an issue you have. And uh, if anybody remembers uh, when Ben Albright was on, and where Baker was so good to be considered, you know, and ending up being the number one overall pick, the way offenses are run now, you need guys who, and it, the arm strength is fantastic. It is. But you need the guys with the footwork and the reset ability to make these plays happen quickly. And that's where it's going to be a little of an issue for Tyree Jackson. Because look, I mean, you know, six foot seven, don't move like six feet. It just it just doesn't work that way. And I know there was the one throw, and uh, I think it was Jeremiah who said it, is the problem is the eyes and the arm are ahead of the feet. I believe that was the exact way he said it. And what it is, I mean, for him to, you know, move maneuver his body into the best possible throwing motion... It just takes more time. It's it, it's science. It's you know I mean it's uh good luck. kinesiology. There you go. Stu- the study of the body and movement. It's just the way it works. It takes longer. Um, but if you were looking for somebody that said, hey, look, uh, you know, I don't think you're gonna find another Baker Mayfield. But um, if you're gonna say, hey, is there a guy who? And look, with Monken, with obviously Freddie, who you know emphasized the vertical game. Monken is the same way. You know, and you look at kind of maybe some things the Tampa Bay Bucks did last year. If you got into a bind, you know, in look, I, I wouldn't want to play Tyree Jackson next year by any means. But if you were into a bind where it's hey, it's a two-game stretch, we need something, and we've got guys, we've built a roster where we can go vertical. Tyree Jackson could be a guy who could fit that because I mean, the dude can make all the deep throws. I mean, the accuracy is not always there at times, but it, it's something. And and he did impress me, and and just seeing him on that field, I mean. Good. I mean, there ain't no. I mean, you know, six foot seven. The dude is a monster, right? And uh, you can't help but think of the fact that Jay is not that far from M. And uh, the, there's a scenario where if both of them end up at the combine, you're going to have Tyree Jackson standing next to Kyler Murray. Uh, but it's going to be like that meme where the one's holding <laughs> the other one, right? Uh, Tyree Jackson. It's look. There, there's. The science with this is is why it's difficult to be so tall. It's not long throws. It's actually the really short throws. And it's and what you see with Tyree Jackson is he throws from a bunch of different arm angles and he's trying to deal with this. Because if you're a receiver uh, trying to catch like a drag route and the ball is basically coming downward, it's really awkward to catch. It's almost uh, like you're catching it from a lefty. It almost has like a different rotation to it. Right. And it's just naturally want to go to the ground so two things happen first it's more difficult to catch and two it's more difficult to throw accurately because now you have a more difficult uh sort of path for the ball to go it's naturally going to want to go down or if it's going to go flat it's going to be in a position where it's going to you know potentially have a guy catching the ball over his head or jumping which over the middle of the field not ideal so 
that becomes difficult. Whereas a guy like Baker Mayfield or, you know, even like six, four guys are throwing a flatter ball. That's much easier to catch and adjust to. So Tyree Jackson, what you see him do occasionally is you see him drop the arm. And what happens now is he's got different sets of mechanics for different types of throws and none of them are consistent and you get some erratic movement with his arm and the football and where you see Tyree, Tyree Jackson at his best is being able to uncork it on those deep balls. And it was the same thing a lot of ways with Terrell Pryor, uh, that long throwing motion, almost a left Witchian style, uh, where it feels like he's almost throwing like a javelin as opposed to a football. That's, that takes a lot of work. And, I, and, and I don't know if you can ultimately get it fixed, but if I was the Buffalo bills, and I have Josh Ooh. Allen. Oh, there you go. I, and I would sit there and be basically saying, if he gets to the third or fourth round, and I'm sitting there going, Josh Allen gets banged up, and I'd like to have another quarterback stylistically that could do the things he could do. Because here's the one thing you're going to find out. Tyree Jackson can run. Um, he and, One and, of his first snaps was a 13-14. And the, and the best part was, is you know, and similar to Josh Allen, big dude, six foot seven, two fifty. Lowered the shoulder in an all-star game. Right. Yes, that was yeah, that was its own question. But uh, but anyway, it, 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 when he runs, it, it, it I, I, I compared exactly to Terrell Pryor. He's a glider. He's very deceptive in that his legs don't look like they're moving very fast, but he's covering a ton of ground. And if you watch tape of him running, you'll see it. He's, he's going. And I don't know if he's going to be like a 4-5 guy, but I could easily see him being a 4-6 guy and at that size. So – if I'm Buffalo and I'm saying, you know, we love Josh Allen, but I want to get another quarterback, and they signed re-signed Matt Barkley to do an extension for some reason. It wasn't a big deal or anything. But if I want to say, Coach I Barkley, love, Coach Barkley, yes, if, if I want to get another quarterback that can do some of the things like Josh Allen does, we don't want to cha- we don't want him to stop running and those things. Then Tyree Jackson would be a great fit for them to sort of double up, and and you see the same thing with like the Ravens are talking about. They want another quarterback like Lamar Jackson. I think the Buffalo Bills could be really smart here. And again, you know, if Tyree Jackson goes in the second round, you're not going to bother with it. But third, fourth round, if he's still hanging around or later, you know, I think that becomes a great fit for a team like Buffalo. Uh, but yeah, he he's a fascinating prospect for a lot of reasons. And you could see a team in, in the same way that Buffalo did with Josh Allen. I don't think he's going any any that high. I think he has a few more issues to work out. But it's easy to see where a team could fall in love and be like, wow, we can make this happen in the same way Buffalo did with him. And the other thing is, with an arm, with the arm strength he's got, weather's never really an issue, um, you know, because he's got the big gun. Uh, the other thing is, is you know, it, it never hurts to, you know, pick one of your own from your own backyard. Um, you, look, I mean, nobody's going to be screaming for him to take the job, but, you know, people... Everybody likes loyalty. Uh, all these, oh, come on, guys! All you Browns listeners, you know how much you, you you'd love to get some more Buckeyes out of the roster. There would be no difference. Uh, there really is no competition in Buffalo, New York. I mean, you know, Buffalo football. Syracuse is a fine program, but it, you know, the people from Buffalo consider things Buffalo Buffalo only. So they'd be more than okay with that. Locked on NFL Net, uh, the Instagram, the Twitter accounts, guys. Uh, everything from every show, every host is funneled through those accounts. So if you're looking for more information, the Instagram, the Twitter pages, Locked on NFL Net, they will help meet every demand you have there, guys. So go ahead and check those out. Now, before we move it on a little bit further here, guys, uh, I actually got a chance to talk this week. Uh, the guys who 
from East Mecca Clothing Company. Uh, they're a newer startup, uh, you know, doing brown specific stuff, that type of stuff. Um, great guys. Uh, they, they've got a lot of energy, a lot of passion, and so it was nice talking with those guys. Um, so, you know, you're looking for anything Browns-wise, and, uh, you know, they, they sent me, you know, you know, a couple of pictures and copies of stuff they're, they're working on. Cool stuff. So, uh, you know, you're looking for anything to add to the apparel. The East Mecca Clothing Company guys. You might want to go ahead and uh, peep that out and check that out. Now, Pete, uh, here we go. Before, as we're, you know, for the last segment here, um, look, uh, the nuts and bolts uh, almost of every draft now as we go a year in, year out, is usually the underclassmen. So what what we're going to do here, um, you know, uh, he, Pete's going to give you his five. I'm going to give you a couple. Five guys from Mobile, you'd be okay as long as, you know, the round and everything matched up, you know, as far as, you know, being in the correct range. Five games, five guys from Mobile, you know, obviously the practices, which you were present for, the game, five guys you'd be okay with. Um, I, I, I'll start with Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana Tech. Um, I, I, I think wavered he, on that one. You haven't. He, he is terrific, and his hands are outstanding. And, and you know, he, he went up against Andre Dillard almost all week. And I thought Andre Dillard had some issues in pass protection. It's largely because Jalen Ferguson's hands are so good that he's able to stay – out of being blocked, uh, and and I do think he's got a chance to go seventeenth pick. His production is out of this world. I think he's going to test very well. All time leader in college football FBS history in sacks. That's impressive. There's no way and around it. The, you know, obviously the big question for him was competition, and and I don't think he did anything to uh, to give reason to doubt that he can't play against the best of the best. He uh, you know he went against the best tackle. In Mobile, uh, and and I thought he was great. Uh, you know, he played both sides of the line, consistent pressure, can play the run. Had 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 at least one hiccup I can think of in the game where he crashed down and shouldn't have. But you know, he's just a stud. Do you want me to keep going, or are you going with? Oh, go right ahead. I'm oh, uh, Andy Isabella. I you know, people will criticize stuff they saw in the practices. You know. And I think some of this is being overanalyzed in terms of even the people criticizing are being like, look, this is something that can be fixed. You know, hanging out in routes, I think some of that, you know, in those type of drills is showing off because you can. Uh, and, and you do get those clips and, and everybody's obviously either sitting there one way or the other. You're watching the clip of Andy Isabella breaking that one dude's ankles. Either you're going, wow, look at this. Or you're going, ooh, man, he's got to get out of his break quicker. But – in terms of, you know, what he can do for an offense, whether it's sitting there and catching that smoke screen, running through arm tackles, I think he he's a dream scenario for a guy like Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield. And that if he sits there on that screen, he's opening something else up down the field. And likewise, if a guy like Callaway is running something underneath, they can open up Andy Isabella. Uh, you know, he's small, whatever. Uh, you don't have to love him in the in the first round if you're sitting there day two, day three, and and you're taking him because you specifically love the fit with what you're doing. Uh, you know the speed is unquestioned. I think he's a guy, he's he's fantastic. Um, one of the guys I really liked coming down, had a chance to talk to him. Uh, he's very bright. Uh, I, I love where he's 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 going. Is Titus Howard from Alabama State? Um, He's still learning, high school quarterback who went to college as a tight end, who has grown into an offensive tackle. Um, his demeanor 
in terms of how aggressive he is and how much power he shows off the line. Love it. Uh, everything about how he can drive people off the ball is great. And then on top of the fact he is a really bright kid, um, you know, has sort of the the sense of he's played quarterback, so he sort of has you know a little bit of that insight into into blocking and, and a sense of where quarterbacks are going to be. But it's also more the the sense of having to know the entire offense as opposed to just one spot and sort of how everything's um, piecing together. I like that stuff. One of the kids I'm interested in, and and, and the reason I'm going to mention him is specifically because I saw a tweet from Matt Miller. Uh, Chuma Edoga, there was a, you know, I thought he had a great week. Um, uh-huh. I think he's potentially a guard or a tackle. I think he's actually a really, really good fit for guard because he's just a powerhouse. But I saw a tweet. And the reason this the reason I mentioned is Matt. I'm not doubting it. I have no idea, so that's why I'm mentioning it. Matt Miller said he he, he talked to I think ten sources or ten people or people reached out to him, whatever that that had major questions about Edoga's work ethic and character and stuff like that or something along those lines. I would have you know I'd love to know more about it. We probably won't, but that is now something I, I think is worth keeping an eye on. But the reason I like him for the Browns is because John Dorsey is a guy who loves to draft tackles and move them around the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Adoga is sitting there, you know, day two, you know, one of those third round picks or day three, uh, and they take a guy who was a very good tackle for USC uh, and say, we're going to move you inside to play, you know, depth guard, uh, ultimately take over for Zeitler in a couple of years or, or whatever. He becomes a terrific option, and you know, ha- you know, this is something that he's done before. Austin Corbett, obviously a notable example, but he did this with Matt Morse, who was a tackle at Missouri before becoming the Chiefs' center. Mitch Morse, no? Yeah, Mitch Morse. What did of I say? Of course, Matt. It's oh, typical. Okay. Everybody should be used to this by now. Yes. Well, again, I'm good with the West African kids' names like Alameda Zacchaeus, but I can't freaking get. Freddie's and Joe's and Todd's right. Darren's uh, and Daniels. Yes. Give me more. Give me more uh, unique names that I have to remember and learn how to say. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and and you know that's what that three or four three. That's four. Oh, that's four. Okay, and the last one uh, I will say. Whew, that's a good question. Last one. I'll say Zach Allen. Um, it's. This is one where I've seen a lot of mixed opinions on his week. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is another one where you your expectations may shade how you feel about it because I actually thought he was good this week. For me though, and before you go ahead, I think this is I think part of this is looking at it overall draft wise and part of it is looking team specific wise. For a guy like him, we can find a role here where he's probably not a starter from day 1. But we do like him in a 25 to 35 rep if needed. Right. Um, I, I think part of it is is you see guys like Ferguson. You see guys like uh, Zimenez was one of these. They beat a guy quick off the edge, and they blow by, and they get to the quarterback, and it looks great. That's not Zach Allen's game. It's never going to be Zach Allen's game. He's a guy who's going to get hands-on drive a guy into the backfield, shed him or whatever. That's his game. And it's not always fast. It's not always going to be flashy, but he's really good. And even in the game, you saw that type of ability. 
and I, I think a Mena who is is similar in that fashion, although you know, and a Mena who has a little more buzz. I thought he had a great week too, but he's a guy who's going to win with power, and I think he's a guy who can play up and down the line. Uh, I, I I continue to come back to uh, Cameron Jordan as the type of player he is, and Cameron Jordan is a guy that at points in the draft process his year was thought to be a top 10 pick and the draft he fell and people were starting got to the point where he was in the 20s and it was like well maybe something's wrong with him and all of a sudden the saints take him at i believe 24 after the browns took uh brandon whedon uh and oof thanks for that one yeah yeah and he's been just outstanding and he's and it's the same thing he's a great player in terms of his hands he can win uh with power he's got enough speed to be interesting and and you don't sit there like again i i zach allen is not a flashy player he's just a really really good football player and um he was a guy who's when, when i talked to him was super effusive with praise in terms of paul pasqualoni in, in his words he referred to as one of the best coaches ever uh, and Paul Pasqualoni is kind of a legend in terms of defensive football, and BC's just been pumping out prospects in that that respect. Uh, I just think he's going to be a, a very very good football player. And 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 when I mention he's kind of like Emmanuel Ogba, some people immediately are like, oh, I don't want another one of those. Uh, Allen's more polished, may not be as quite as freaky athletically, uh, and then Ogba's obviously got to get a little more luck on the injury front. But it's more along the lines of you get Zach Allen first down, he can be at left end, second and third down, he can be inside rushing the passer. And for where the Browns are going, you know, with Steve Wilkes, you know, we're going to see what he really likes uh, in terms of the defensive line. But that may be something that's attractive, having those two monster base ends with with a guy like Allen, who's, who's a really good run defender across from Garrett. And then being able to move them all over, you know, this is as much as I'm critical of the Houston Texans and their scheme. I've I've always been jealous of the fact that they've never been afraid to take J.J. Watt and Jadevian Clowney and just say, "Here's the weak link. Here you go. We're putting our stud here, block him." And and in that respect, I'd sort of love to see the Browns do a little bit more of that. Some of that I'm sure is because Clowney's still a second year player, or uh, Garrett was a second year player, and I assume as as this gets more comfortable that they're going to find more comfort in moving him up and down the line. Um, absolutely, and, and that's the thing. And look, and you look at Houston, it's kind of been the same old story, you know, kind of like for years when they made the playoffs. You know, they made the playoffs because they were really strong at a defensive line. They ended up hosting a playoff game as a conference champion, and their offense, you know, I remember, I, I believe there was one home pl- playoff game they hosted, and they were starting their fourth-string quarterback at the time. Uh, it's never really been so much the defense's issue. It's like they ran out of bullets, so you know, so to speak, to use that term offensively. Um, the kid from USC, and as far as you know, Matt Miller and, and the tweet, and I did think about it. It kind of seems that this correlates sometimes hand in hand when what is normally viewed as a really great and you know, and USC should you know normally be argued as a top five, top ten program in the country. But when they're not, then you start to hear some things about some guys that, you know, there's issue with these guys. So, you know, I mean, when the whole program as a whole is down, it seems kind of like everything about it is kind of talked about in a negative manner. Yeah, uh, there's certain certain, to that, certain uh, truth to that. And, and, you know, let's not rule out the possibility that a guy who, you know, 
gets to a week like the Senior Bowl uh, and sees the possibility to make himself, you know, move up boards, make himself money, uh, brings it in a way that maybe he doesn't bring it every day. And that's where, you know, you can get fooled. Now, that that then puts it on the team to go and, and, and research and, and talk to the coaches and talk to staff and, and, you know, go back and find out, you know, what the truth is there. That maybe, you know, this was just a great week as opposed to a great player. But, you know, you do get into a situation where a program isn't where it should be and there's finger pointing and, you know – in the same way that you know you're seeing all this stuff on the Seth Wickersham and, and the piece with the Browns, USC has yep. been a defu- dysfunctional program, uh, and they're not where they're supposed to be. And when that happens, you you get into things where you know you know players may be pointing at coaches and coaches may be pointing at players, and, and nobody comes out looking very good. But you know, this this is what has to be found out. Now, it, it, let's just acknowledge the fact that Adoga had a great week. I hope the best for the kid. And if if he wasn't great for USC, hopefully, you know, he can get past it and be a great player in the NFL. Uh, and if he's not uh, and, and there's real red flags there, then hopefully the Browns find out and avoid him. But he's the type of guy that sort of appears like it would fit what the Browns like to do and, and, and potentially a, a, a player Dorsey might like as, as obviously he's not been afraid to take character risks. Now, hopefully, you know, we do less of that because we don't need them to need to, when you end to up take with those shortcuts, when you end up with five or six or seven character guys, one of them is going to fail. And if it ends up being a guy at a premium position or at a premium need, then that's, what's going to be an issue. Look, one or two, whether or not I agree with it, and look, me and Pete were pretty much adamant in this. You know, try to find the guys who are the best players with the least red flags. But when you end up with you know four, five, six, you're just waiting for that time bomb to go. Well, yeah, I mean, at some point, the character guys outnumber the guys who you do it the right way, or become enough of a factor where. Or the, but those are the guys that can sink a battleship, and that's what you do not want. Sure, and and there's no question we've seen that, and 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 the team I would look at right this past year would be Jacksonville, uh, and and everything that's sort of everybody out. wanted to poo-poo Leonard Fournette saying, "Eh, I'm not doing that event at the combine," and what happened this year? And now here's Leonard Fournette. Week, you know, I guess right when the season ended, eh, I probably could have been in better shape. Oh, thanks, big guy. <laughs> we're only paying you premium money because you were the fourth overall pick in the draft. That and and and, obviously, and and I don't want to paint him as a bad guy because I don't know, but certain things Jalen Ramsey said, you know, and and did weren't great, and, and you know, well, you don't light up half the quarterbacks in the NFL. You don't just blast away on them before the season starts because you went to the AFC Championship the year before. Not a good look. And the other example of that's the Pittsburgh Steelers, and and it remains to be seen what will happen with Antonio Brown and and that and that roster and Ben Roethlisberger, but. That's certainly not the position you want to be in if you're any team. And, you know, whatever happens in Pittsburgh, uh, if, if Antonio Brown is dealt, there's going to be a bunch of pieces written and a bunch of discussion about was this holding the Steelers back? There's already been talk about the Steelers should have won more than they have in terms of playoff success that they've sort of underwhelmed, which is 
unfortunate to have to be saying that as a Browns fan, but did taking some of those guys, did relying on some of those guys, did you know empowering some of those guys ultimately hold the Steelers back from being as good as they could be? And that's some, another thing that the Browns want to uh, avoid. I think the, the, the big thing with the Browns right now is it's awesome to have a better football team, but it's also awesome to have – a roster full of guys that you can genuinely wrap your arms around, whether you're, you know, a man, a woman, a kid, you know, family, whatever. It's so easy to wrap your arms around and go, God, I love Miles Garrett and everything he is and represents. And and certainly you don't know everything about these guys. Nick Chubb is in the same boat. Denzel Ward seems to be in the same boat. You know, Baker Mayfield. Once you get past, you know, people trying to make quote-unquote, antics into something that they're not. But you don't want to put yourself in a position where you're sitting there going, you know, I want the Browns to win, but do I really want to root for insert player? And that's, you know, uncomfortable. And and that may be just me or a, a fraction of people. But, you know, you don't ever want to have to sit down with, with, you know, with your kid or, or your spouse and go explain to – let's say they aren't into football at all – and explain to them this person and or if they are into football explain why you shouldn't root for this person like that's you know i understand you want to win i understand that's it's a bottom line business but those are at least for me important enough to say i like having a bunch of guys that are easy to root for that i can you know that made part part of this season so fun is it's very easy to wrap your arms around and go, man, I, I, I love everything about this team, including who they are. Um, and I, I, I 100% agree with you there. And the other thing is you want your GM and your front office to go home and be able to go to sleep, not, oh, Christ, is, you know, are, are we going to be worried about a DUI? Are we going to worry about somebody because, you know, there's a couple of nights a week where players go out, and guys, Friday night's one of them. So, you know, anybody who sees, and we went through this with Kaiser last year, Friday night is a popular night for guys to go out, especially at a home game. So you don't want to worry about, oh, well, there was a problem with the security at the club and crap of that nature. Um, to piggyback off of Pete's point here, um, one, of, one of the fathers in town here, you know, I'm pretty kind of close with, he was a lifelong Minnesota Vikings fan. And I remember, you know, talking with him and reading his, you know, his social media posts about how he had to sit down with his son and say, well, we're not going to watch the Vikings this Sunday and you're not going to wear your Adrian Peterson jersey anymore because here I am busting my butt trying to make every end meet. And no, I never picked up a switch to discipline you. Those are things you do look at and you are concerned with. Well, um, one quick thing is, is yes. Zach Jackson of The Athletic, one of the stories he loves to relay um, is back when uh, the Browns had Trent Richardson and Josh Gordon, uh, he had people in the building telling him that any it was a great day at work any day they showed up and saw those guys cars in the parking lot <laughs> that's you know that's not where you want to be definitely you know? not and guys my guy for the week and i've kind of been on it for a while now and i kind of you know i i kind of feel bad for the five star heavily recruited guys that somehow it just didn't work out um but amon marshall uh he kind of just Went through the week and um, look, uh, you know, some people really feel cornerback is a need for this franchise. I don't feel that because I don't think we ever really kind of got to see week in week out the overall depth of this cornerback uh, group playing together. Um, look, EJ Gaines, 
maybe he's not back. I mean, look, EJ Gaines, I mean, you get into a point now where the injuries are, you know, getting very worrisome. Um, a guy like Ima, uh, Mon Marshall, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I think he could slide in right away. Um, perhaps, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, there's no way you end up a five-star recruit without testing well and without being a pretty good athlete. So that could be just another one he knocks out of the park when he gets to Indianapolis. But uh, Amon Marshall, for me, is going to continue to be a name. You guys are going to hear from me, a guy I have a ton of interest here, as you know, a, a guy they draft and maybe ends up to be Denzel Ward's running mate, You know, whether it's in 2021, that type of thing. But a guy who still continues to impress me. Um, has no problem getting his nose dirty. Uh, could play safety if he wanted to. Uh, we'll see how all that works out. Um, you know, Maybe even his rookie year, nickel, dime, uh, Wilkes likes his cover too. He could maybe be, you know, play a center field next to Demarius Randall, that type of thing. So a guy that's not going to change, uh, you know, change my mind there. Um, guys, we're, about to, we're putting this one to bed here. Um, look, it was a long, long week, obviously with Mobile and everything that's gone on here and the senior bowl, the way it goes on. Well, we got some more fun stuff coming here. Um, you know, we're going to meet the meat and the potatoes is going to obviously start to come, uh, you know, March you know, first through fourth, as everything goes down in Indianapolis, we can get some more information there, um, which will lead us up into the, um, you know, the wink, wink, you know, quiet negotiating period before we get to free agency. Um, so we're going to pound out of great stuff here, you know, obviously the last week of January and then you know, roll on through February. Uh, so we're going to have some fun with the shows. We're going to do a couple of different avenues with some, some of the shows here. Um, but just, you know, something to keep it along. And look, nobody wants to stop talking Browns right now. Normally you guys would move on to Cavalier, you know, the Cavs right now. That's not going to happen. Uh, the Indians, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen too much here. So look, guys, we're going to continue to just put out great content day in, day out. Thank you guys for everything and all the appreciation. For, uh, iTunes, the ratings, reviews, please keep them coming. Uh, always thankful for Pete Smith. Follow him over at, at Pete Smith. Read the work over at NFL Spin Zone. Uh, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account. We keep it a follow back at Lockdown Browns. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Guys, I appreciate everything. Um, and the support you guys have all given, you know, uh, you know, there's, you know, maybe the social media is going to slow down a little bit here for both Pete and I. Um, it's look, it, it gets to times where things are just not right and things end up going wrong, and it, and for that, it's just not good. We apologize, and but it, it's when you kind of get hammered for things, and right or wrong, there's you, you, there's you shouldn't bark back. You shouldn't, but uh. So maybe that'll start to slow down a little bit, and and maybe it should for everybody. Let's enjoy the product we have right now because everybody's passionate about it, and 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 for once, it's nice to talk about it in a positive manner as opposed to we need twenty seven people this off season, as opposed to well that could use an upgrade or you know what maybe I think somebody better over there, but all that stuff. But uh, guys, as always, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns. <laughs>